Hello, welcome to Talking Usework. My name is Rui Branco and together with Anita Silva, we bring you a podcast where we interview usework experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in usework, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends, or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can news workers shake up, upgrade, and innovate on their daily work. Hello, everyone. Today, we were talking with Carmine Rodi. He's an Italian trainer and stand-up comedian based in Prague, who works as an international trainer in Europe in the field of youth work. And we were talking about comedy. Comedy, humor, jokes. And of course, uh, we had a bit of a clickbait here, the five reasons why international youth work sucks. But that was just the excuse to actually explore what are the limits, the boundaries of humor when you are trying to create a safe space for learning. And we went on that fine line, exploring on one hand, that you need laughter um, as a natural human reaction that actually connects us and helps us to build community. But on the other hand, the risks that are involved, especially working with international or intercultural groups. And uh, what does it mean to bring the funny side of a topic, of a situation, of yourself in a group? So we walk that fine line. We hope that you can walk it with us and that it brings you valid reflections. So stay with us and let's talk some youth work. Hello, Rui. Hello, Anita. Nice to talk to you in 2021. It's the first time we're talking this year. Yes, actually. it is. And hi, Carmine. How are you? Hello, I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me tonight. So um, normally we always state where we are. Because of the pandemic, it became a bit of a boring exercise. I'm in Lisbon, where I live. Rui, where are you? Carcavelos near Lisbon. <laughs> Same place for the last, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> seven episodes. And Carmine, where are you? I'm in Prague, Czech Republic. All right. And you live there, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, we're very excited with uh, the topic of today. We have a hot topic. And before we dive into it, I would like you to present yourself a little bit more, Carmine. How did you end up in the field of youth work and doing the things you do? I started in 2002 and I had no idea about European education whatsoever. I applied for a job uh realizing educational activities with students and young people that's what i right. started doing later i found out it was in a eurodesk office in uh, in the university of viterbo which is a city in the center of italy so that mm -hmm. was my first real full-time job and i started to do these programs which later i understood was european youth work so i was taking europe to the young people and i was taking young people to europe And, and then I started to do youth exchanges and then more and more of that and then getting trained as a trainer and 20 years down the line, that's my main profession. All right. Well, for, for our listeners that are from outside of Europe or from outside of European youth work, 
Um, and Eurodesk is, um, can you explain what Eurodesk is? It's easy. It's uh, the official information network that's responsible to promote European programs for young people. Exactly. Thank you. That was perfect. That was out of the book. And uh, <laughs> and actually what we have in Europe is that the European Commission has funding lines, funding programs for young people to travel to different countries and learn together about different uh, topics, such as human rights, youth participation, um, all kinds of, of different topics around um, citizenship and environment. So when we talk about European youth work, this is what we are talking about. Uh, for, for some, this is very known, but for some, it might be new. All right, um, Carmine, but you don't work only on youth work. You also work uh, in another field. I have many hats, uh, <laughs> but I think the one that will be most relevant tonight is I'm a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. Uh, professionally active since four years now and I'm mostly based in Prague and I'm doing a lot of comedy online now like everybody else who's doing communication activities so stand-up comedian slash trainer all right all right I that sounds like a very curious combination and this is a podcast about innovation in youth work so um, we're very happy to have you but actually the reason why you're here is because you hold the knowledge of what are the five reasons why international youth work sucks. And I think everybody's dying to know that. So please enlighten us. It's a hot topic. It is a hot topic because sometimes there is a glamorous side to this profession. At least there was oh, yeah. before the pandemic. Because people think you're traveling, you're meeting all these exciting people and visiting exotic places. And everybody wants to be one. Except when you've been doing it for some time, you start to see the shadow of it, and it's actually a big shadow. So tonight I will be talking about five reasons why international youth work sucks. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> 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 That's... That's a silence full of expectation. So you no. you said you're very happy I'm here, but wait until you hear what I have to yeah, say. Yeah, I'm scared now. I, I'm <laughs> starting to regret. <laughs> okay. Maybe we just say thank you, Carmen. It was lovely. Bye. Yeah, yeah. You could just edit from now on. You put No, no, but I'm very curious. Who is not from the field of youth work. So now he wants to know all the yes. dirty secrets. <laughs> Don't hold anything back. I will give you a lot of ammunition to use. <laughs> Okay, so when you're ready, I'm ready. Go. <laughs> okay, number one, in this profession, a lot is about traveling. And you do get to travel a lot, but you never see anything ever. That's so true. <laughs> so true. So I go, I go to one place, and then when I'm back, exhausted, I lost my luggage and everything else. And people ask me, oh, so how, how was France? <laughs> And I'm completely puzzled. I'm, I'm like, first of all, how was when? Are you talking about a particular historical period? Read the book. <laughs> and also, what do you mean France? I was visiting one village in rural central France. <laughs> I have no idea about the country. I mean, watch the news. Uh, <laughs> what I know is that I, I went there and I had to take three different trains each using a different technology from the one before. <laughs> so I went from the high-speed train 
and then to an electric train, and then the last one was a coal train, you know, from the, <laughs> wild, from the wild west. That's how you know you're in France. That's why I know I'm in rural France. And I, <laughs> I, I was getting more and more nervous as I was on the train. I was looking outside, expecting we were, be, we were going to be attacked by bandits. <laughs> when this little choo-choo train was going up the mountain. And this is all I know. I slept one week on the floor in a hostel, which used to be a monastery. <laughs> I actually did that. This is this could be a real story, people. This is complete. This is hard because it's true. And it was freezing in December. And I think at the time of the monastery, the hospitality was a little bit warmer. <laughs> You know, at least we had Aura at Labora, but in my week, I only had Labora. <laughs> so I have no idea. And then people tell me, oh, if you go to Barcelona, you have you have to see this thing. You have to eat that thing. You have to drink that thing. Oh, my God. I yes. will do none of that. Nothing at all. I know I will have just five days. I will be exhausted and sleep deprived. And I'll just catch <laughs> the train to leave as soon as I can. It's, it sounds like a prison abroad. You go, you go abroad to be a prisoner. I mean, I am happy I get to travel with my home shoes and that's all the comfort I can get. Because you do without, that? I don't do that. I do that. I, I am old. I am old and tired. And you know, with hand luggage getting smaller and smaller and smaller, I cannot carry my comfort items anymore. So I, I, I hold on what I can and home shoes are what I need. <laughs> But, you know, you said something important, which is that before the pandemic, it was, you know, it seemed very glamorous. But what I feel right now is that when you, you my friends, they used to phone me after I came from trips and they had a lot of questions for me. But now they phone me and they are so uninterested because suddenly I have nothing to say. I work from my computer. I have absolutely nothing to say. And they are disappointed. I can feel it. They're really like, so how are you? I'm cool. I'm home like everybody else. Yeah. OK, bye then. It's like, <laughs> Now, the most interesting story I have at the end of a workday is which virtual background my friends were using. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I've seen two Star Wars ones. Those were cool. Those were cool. And one guy pretended to be on the beach, but I know he's in Budapest. So I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it can be that nice. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. And it sucks. It's true. We don't get to see the places. It sucks. Traveling really sucks. I have friends who know every airport lounge by name. Like they tell me you have to sit in the southeast corner because Wi-Fi is stronger. <laughs> I, I'm that person. I'm that person. <laughs> you know, I realized I had a problem when I don't know my neighbors. I don't recognize some friends that I have in Lisbon, but I started recognizing the personnel at the security checks in Germany. Then I realized I had a problem. <laughs> That's a sign you're traveling to too much. True, true. Yeah. When you know what's your favorite panini in each airport, <laughs> then it's a sign you've been traveling too much. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So that, that is a big suck. Yeah, it's true. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Are ready for number two? Yes. yes. Can't wait. Your best friends end up being in seven different countries and three different time zones, and you're miserable and alienated at home. <laughs> okay, I'm leaving now. <laughs> I'm not staying in this. I'm episode. sorry, this is getting into therapy territory. Yes. <laughs> they say comedy is like a tragedy plus time. In this case, we didn't have much time. No, we I'm just so have crazy. the tragedy. <laughs> oh, and people are like, oh, my best friend, she lives in, I don't know, Reykjavik or whatever. And she named her son after me. 
Oh, great. Have you ever met? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is insane. And then people post because we because the human connections are real and we are desperate for connections. So we have these Zoom or Skype meetings with these international friends. And then people post the screenshots. Best friends forever. And then when it's over, you have to turn Netflix on and watch <laughs> How I Met Your Mother for the <laughs> Because you just can't stand the silence suddenly to be alone in your flat. Yeah. It's absolutely right. Yeah, it's I, right. I, I can see. I envy the people that meet their friends in the cafe, you know, two doors down the road. And, you know, they've met there since ever, since they were kids or in the bar in the corner. And, and I envy that so much. Yes. And also without, I'm not even able to do small talk anymore without a facilitator. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm expecting somebody to give me a topic. <laughs> I also need to know how much, how many minutes do I have for this question? So when I'm in a cafe with a normal person, I'm like completely unable to have a social contact anymore. And you have to have markers maybe and post-it notes. Oh, wait, wait, those are coming. <laughs> But I would like to suggest to Anita to make friends with the security guy in, in German airport. Germany. Yeah, that's, it, that is, that's a good idea. Like you could start small talk like, wow, this week the security checks have been a lot smoother. And then they can tell you, oh, we have a new technology now we're doing these body scans these are cool we give you cancer but... <laughs> it's okay <laughs> only if you travel too much which is c point number one <laughs> and the thing is that my you know my my friends in portugal they have always a lot of things to talk about the news the portuguese news and i've been a week away i have no idea what's going have... on what mem is trending what somebody said it was really funny i have no idea i'm always so out I know exactly. And then the new movie is out and I have no idea. People are like, have you seen the latest James Bond? I'm like, wait, I'm just catching up. Is he in colors? <laughs> is Sean Connery on? Because I'm just, I'm catching up. I'm catching up with old videos. But then the problem stays because when I'm, when I'm meeting up with friends from Europe, from all, all these different countries, they take that their news from their country are international news all the time. So each time I'm with somebody, they're like, yeah, you know, the elections in my country, they're going on, as you know, and the opposition is winning, you know, obviously. And I'm like, what? what? I have Who was, no who idea. Was, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and sometimes it's even crazier because you have all these international friends. You would know the local reality of Oslo much better than the place where you live. So you go home and you're like, hey, what? why this window has been broken? What happened here? <laughs> oh, you didn't hear a bomb exploded? And I'm like, oops, sorry. <laughs> no, I was doing local youth work in Norway and I have no idea. It's Very crazy. True. It's, yeah. crazy Ruining, uh, it's, it's not easy friendships on a distance. Everything is a, low, it's a distance relationship. Yeah, which is connected to point number three. Are you ready? Yes. Please. Well, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, drinking my tea. I'm drinking my tea and soon I'm going to get my pills. But... Uh, drinking is related because this, for many of us, it's a freelancing job. So our best friends are also competing for the same jobs all the time. Whoa. So in our community, <laughs> there, is a lot of, oh, there is a lot of gossip, a lot of scheming, a lot of backstabbing. <laughs> Like I feel when I have a trainer's pool meeting, it feels like a small council meeting in the Game of Thrones. <laughs> People are like, hmm, a little bird told me you applied for that position. 
oh, please tell me more. <laughs> and then even if you get the job, you receive all these messages, congratulations, you got the job. We should drink sometimes to celebrate. And I think, is he the trying to poison me? Yes. <laughs> Should I accept the drink? Let's have a Zoom drink so I know <laughs> what I'm putting in my glass. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, probably it's a reality. I don't feel it so much, but it, I think it's because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is hard. And, you know, uh, there are layers because certainly seeing from outside, if, if somebody's new and they're starting, it is hard to get it is, it some is. jobs. And the reality is the jobs are limited. Uh, uh, but I'm not here to suggest a solution. I'm only here to complain as a, as a <laughs> white male in my 40s. That's, that's what I do. I just complain. <laughs> and and again, I, I, I sympathize with the people from outside of Europe that are wondering what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm talking we, about any, any freelance job, really. I mean, you, exactly. should, try, you should try comedy. It's even worse. <laughs> it, it's, it's like you work minus human rights education. <laughs> <laughs> All poison. <laughs> dog eat <older>. dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's true that uh, because uh, international trainers in the field of youth work, they, they deliver a lot of the, the trainings that are provided under this, this European programs. And obviously there is not an infinite amount of money or projects going on. And so there is a community of trainers and facilitators and youth workers that travel more. And um, yeah, for the for for them, these problems might be very real. I hope our listeners can then comment on uh, on our posts. Can we but call Carmine. them the chosen ones? Yes, they yeah they they yeah they do they do. There is there is a certain level of background uh, chat and gossip, as I mentioned. And then when some maybe major uh, agency changes their leaders, it's like the king is dead. <laughs> Long live the new king. Like one minute, one minute after everybody else is queuing to get into the uh, wings of whoever is now holding the power. And in some countries like Italy, this happens every six weeks. <laughs> like I have a comedy uh, bit about changing the Italian government and I get to use it every year. It's like having a Christmas material. <laughs> it's a very good investment for a comedian to talk about Italian elections. <laughs> I don't know. In Portugal, we don't have them so 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 many times, but they are really funny. So they're really a comedy themselves. I'm seriously thinking this is going to destroy all my employment opportunities. So I'm hoping. <laughs> you better go have, to number four. <laughs> I hope you have a place in Portugal where I can crash. <laughs> My family is going to miss me, but... No, don't worry. There's a really nice place in the east wing of Frankfurt Airport. <laughs> it has Wi-Fi and a nice security guy. <laughs> what about the best, the best, most comfortable sofa? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so number four reason why International Youth Work sucks is you get old and your participants don't. <laughs> Because it's always Youth Work, right? So, <laughs> that's universal. That, that's that happens universal. everywhere. Yeah, but in a bank, you know, you, you can work with retirement money and then you met, you get all these senior people and then they're nice to you. But young people, all, all my cultural references, all my activities, all my jokes get obsolete. And to my groups, they are probably like the movie from the 1950s that my parents really wanted me to watch. And then when I watched it, I realized it's just slow 
not funny and racist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> but, That's true. Uh, I have these Star Wars references. I grew up with Star Wars, but when I mention it, the young young people say, "Hey, but they suck. The movies suck." <laughs> and the people who are, you know, the millennials, the people who are, who are in their thirties, they they know the prequels, so they're like. They really suck. Why would you even mention Star Wars as such? And I'm like, but the first movies. But they are so old. They are so old. Like I'm so old. Even Dragon Ball for me was was it, Dragon Ball is for children. Like as far as I am concerned, and so I cannot <laughs> use it. I am old. Uh, I, I did the math, and I am anagraphically. I'm closer to Hitler than I am <laughs> to a, a kid who's ten years old. <laughs> I was born in 77, so I did the math. It checks out. A person who's 32 years old is the difference between me and Hitler. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah? yeah that's, that, that's I don't even know what that means, but it's scary. Yeah, yeah it's scary. It things in perspective. When I meet uh, these young kids, I'm like, yeah, I could be your grandpa now. <laughs> it is really hard to keep up. I'm like, send me an email. <laughs> they just laugh. They don't even have an account, and they then they ask me, "Yeah, what's gonna be next, Grandpa? A clay tablet?" <laughs> Technology changes so fast. People are now using TikTok. They have 500 million views, and I'm like, "No, I, I, um, I have a Facebook group <laughs> with five members, and everybody just laughs at me." And and they're all trainers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, best friends. It's true. And, you know, I feel it very much um, on coffee breaks and at, at dinners and stuff after after a training. In the, I don't know, a few years ago, I used to hang around with everyone, with all the participants and stuff. And now I see that, you know, participants kind of gather together and the team is left behind for some reason. <laughs> Many times we end up just being the two or three of us talking. We're like, yeah, let the kids go. We're <laughs> stay here. <laughs> and then I try to keep update and, and updated. And for example, it works in some cases, TV series uh, or video games I can follow. But then when they try to share the music, they're listening. I'm like, OK, I'm listening. I'm waiting for the words to come. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just don't get it. It's just different generations. You asked, do you know Stevie Wonder? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I need to check. I need to check. It's is she big on Instagram? Let's change example. <laughs> also, there is a very high chance my favorite celebrities are by now sex, sex offenders or racist or dead. <laughs> uh, so sometimes I just have to avoid the topic altogether. I'm like, never mind. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. Very good. Yes, yes. I, I, I totally relate to that as well. And, yeah. and don't mention CDs. <laughs> they oh, will kill you. CDs? There are people who who brag about uh, uh, cassettes, uh, that they remember the tapes, you know, the cassettes. Yeah. Don't even mention that. <laughs> That's just terrible. It's just going to tell people how creepy and old you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I think even if you mention your iPod, a lot of them will be like, what? What? I what? want. You guys used to have this. <laughs> Huge bulky devices in your pockets, and, and they didn't take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, no, no, it's just insane. Now everything has to be into one device. Yes. And then I uh, get to number five. Ooh. Number uh, the fifth reason why international youth work really sucks is you get to develop a lot of skills, 
that are completely useless in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am completely useless. Like if society went back to Stone Age, I would die in 24 hours. <laughs> I have absolutely no survival skills. If society went back to uh, uh, the Lord of the Flies situation, mm -hmm. I would be the Lord of the Flies. <laughs> like my head would be on the stick, <laughs> surrounded by insects. Uh, my the, the kitchen sink broke the other day and I was just watching it powerlessly and I was like, I, I have absolutely no idea what's going on, but I can do magic with a marker. <laughs> I know how to use a marker in Fantastic Quiz, especially the ones with a scalpel tip. Yes. <laughs> Those are the point. The point tips are for losers. <laughs> Absolutely. When you know brands of markers, you know you're in trouble when you start comparing brands. Yes. Oh, yeah. I own seven types of sticky notes at home. <laughs> at home. Maybe those are your best friends, sticky notes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes I get uh, great relief in that. Also, you know, I know how loser and I, how useless I am. But I can tell you how useless I am using a Johari wheel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was a good joke. That was a very good joke. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. This was my last bit. Thank you very much, everybody. I'll be here all week. Well, actually, I'll be here. I'll be here forever because we're in pandemic. Pandemic started in 2020, and I feel it will end in 2121. <laughs> this is a joke for people who understand numbers. So if you're listening from America, this is not for you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> North America, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, thank you very much. Five reasons why international youth work really sucks. Thank you so much, Carmen. Thank you. It was painfully relatable. <laughs> and, and true, let me ask. Is it... <laughs> it, it, is, it is based on true stories of many people, I think. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I can relate to that, to, to a lot of what you said. So now I get a little bit out of the mm. character. And of course, it's comedy and it's supposed to be exaggerated and a little bit sharper than it is. But I guess there is an undertone, underbelly that somehow is relatable and real. And I think that that's an interesting uh, segue right there um, to, to our topic of today, which obviously is also about comedy in youth work and how we use humor and comedy um, when we are working with young people or when we are talking about um, the future, the well-being of young people. And yeah, and, and you were just saying something important here is that comedy, in comedy, we make things a bit more edgy, a bit sharper, uh, sometimes a little bit overboard. Uh, we take risks. And I would like to ask you that. Um, should we stay out of comedy altogether, just to avoid that. <laughs> oh, this, you know, Anita, this is the question. So I think as every live performance, there isn't one way to do it. And comedy is especially complicated because you need to identify the line and then walk on the line. And the thing is, the line moves all the time, every day, in every country. And so sometimes you just, you will put a step out. It happened to me. And then people get confused or upset. And, and so I understand why many people just decide not to do that. 
I kind of went the other way. I'm like, first of all, I write it in the first line of my resume when I apply for a job. Like, this is what's, what you're getting. <laughs> so clear. If, you, if you want to stay out of trouble, just don't hire me ever. And, and that's fine. And sometimes I do. I mean, I tell jokes even in a big international event and then late people laugh. And then after I get the feedback, mm, some jokes were out of line. But I also think intelligent people can tell. Mm-hmm. Intelligent people can tell, uh, you know, when when there is one uh, joke that is told with the intention of a joke, and certainly, and, and and maybe if I if I'm getting serious for one second, no one ever has the right to uh, attack another person because mm-hmm. verbal violence is violence. Full stop. So I may tell an edgy joke about um, a dark topic, whatever but not about the victims. I mean, that is just, that is just abuse. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think there's a lot of talk about uh, political correctness. I think 90% comes from the right wing (laughs) uh, who don't, and it's not even correct to identify with, with the left or right people who just don't want to be free to say whatever they want. Yeah. And my, my personal answer is let them, but you know, what's news? Minority groups now, they have a voice and they can organize. I am free to say whatever I want, but if one million people get mad at me, maybe I said something wrong. End of the story. Mm-hmm. So what I try to do in my comedy shows, for example, that I organize even online, I try to pr- to give a platform to as many people from as many different backgrounds, mm-hmm. ethnicity, country, uh, gender identities, because if we hear more voices, if we hear more stories, that's going to normalize a uh, conversation. But if somebody wants to tell an edgy joke, I mean, you don't laugh. You know, the comedy is also very democratic in that way. People don't laugh, it, it, the, those jokes are going to die. And tell me something. Um, do you use uh, humor and comedy differently when you are on stage and when you are uh, with a group of young people or a group of youth workers? Yes, yes. Uh, what are the main differences there? Well, stand-up comedy especially is born in the club. Mm-hmm. And there is a it, it's it's the same difference, you know, if if me and, the, and another guy end in a fight in the streets and we punch each other's faces and people see us, they're gonna call the police mm-hmm. and because it's an aggression. But if we do it in a sports center or in a gym on the ring, that's boxing. Mm-hmm. And people are even paying uh, to watch us. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really the difference between comedy as an art form and just random verbal chat-chat, which sometimes becomes abusive. An art form happens in the place, which in, in, in this case could be the comedy club. And then, you know, if it's a bit weird or edgy or out of line, it stays there. And people people have the ability to understand what is performance. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very different to stand up in, in, you know, in a youth club or in a training center and start a comedy routine. I was doing it, especially in the past, and now I don't do it anymore. So even, for example, on the what went wrong? On the final day of a training, when people are like, "Oh, Carmen, let's do stand up," I insist we go someplace. So, mm-hmm. for example, we go to the bar, we go to a club or to a library, we have a night out. And then I may or may not still uh, do it because it's because comedy requires freedom. And and when I want to work with the group and keep a um, training role, it's a different role. 
Okay. So would you advise youth workers? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying doing stand-up in mm. this youth center, but how, how would you, what's your take on uh, using humor as, as, a, as a way to, to communicate and as, to as a way to engage? Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, in that people. sense, I, I would say go for it. Absolutely, because it's, there is actually a boom of humor and comedies everywhere. Uh, the numbers are bigger than ever. There is a need for it. So I would definitely say explore your funny side. Everybody has a funny side. People come to my workshops. I do uh, comedy workshops and mm -hmm. people are like, I think I'm not funny. I think you're very funny. We just need to let it out. Uh, Everybody is a little bit weird, a little bit funny in their own personal way. So feel free to explore. Of course, don't try too hard because uh, comedy, like many other things, if you try to like, like being smart, if you try too hard, people are going to see that it's fake and then they, you end up alienating people. Exactly. But it's, it's a great way even to diffuse conflicts. Mm -hmm. The right joke with the right smile, the right intonation, all these elements coming to play, which are not new for anybody who does public speaking. But comedy really is everything concentrated in, in you know, 15, 10 seconds. A joke is 15, 10 seconds. And so I would definitely say explore that. Let yourself do that. Do not be afraid because actually it is a great medicine. They say comedy is the best medicine. I think vaccination is the best medicine, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Especially these days, I think I have to specify. But comedy comes close. Yeah, I think I think it's important. Or I, I like to, um, I, I'm very fun of using humor as relief as a way to expand your body in different ways because i think even physiologically you have a re you know laughter is a reaction that that helps you to feel and think differently and and so i believe a lot in the power of laughter and humor but uh, i also live in this dilemma which is i work in intercultural contexts um people uh, people understand humor in very different ways yeah. and and it's it, it is a fine line that is moving a lot and so it's for me sometimes weird uh, or hard to 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 um, to figure it out to figure out how can I be humorous and stay respectful and stay uh, and 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 maintain the safe space that I'm creating for learners. I wish I had an easy answer to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably. I know thing, there is. <laughs> one thing I learned as a comedian is that when one joke fails, there is another one coming. <laughs> So also I learned very quickly how to deal with failure. Okay, guys, you didn't like that joke. Here is another one. While sometimes in a, in a more everyday setting, we are really afraid of getting silence after mm -hmm. a, a punchline or maybe embarrassed, you know, looks. And so in that sense, the help from experience is uh, uh, don't freeze. Always move on and cover up with another maybe kind remarks because there is kind comedy. There is gentle comedy. And anthropological like culturally comedy has been invented as a tool to create communities to strengthen communities so in that sense it's really needed in our work mm -hmm. but there are, there are two easy ways to do it one is to uh, unite a community and the other one is to create an enemy and unite the community against that enemy and we can also do that with a joke mm -hmm. so that is the thing not to do we mm -hmm. you know point point at somebody because it's different or um, for whatever reason, another background or so if, if we laugh about what are the common problems that we have in general, that's a very positive thing and brings people together. Mm -hmm. Something also mistakes 
everybody has mistakes and everybody's afraid of mistakes. So you make a terrible mistake during a presentation. Make a joke about it. Don't just apologize and freeze. Uh, uh, just embrace it and make yourself even more of a clown. And that's going to be the best way to get out of the situation with a joke. Uh, a window <laughs> opens. I was in. I was in three times. Three times I was in a training course when the an earthquake happened. <laughs> <laughs> three and times. Earthquake. Yeah, I need. I You're mean, a magnet for earthquakes. No, Italy has an earthquake, major earthquake every two years. So what can you do? Uh, or maybe <laughs> the joke was too strong. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, "What's happening?" And 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 even that can be a topic for comedy. Uh, mm. Yeah. Maybe plus time. <laughs> exactly. Rui, you wanted to ask something, I think, right? I was thinking that um, sometimes it's very difficult, like we are discussing, the the the, si the fine line between what is allowed or not allowed or kind or not kind. But uh, like uh, Carmine was mentioning, context. And uh, I was thinking uh, that uh, maybe uh, how can... Uh, people that you work with young people provide the context before the humor or try to uh, set like uh, not creating a, a comedy stage but also a comedy stage that's what i was thinking that is a good, very good point for example another thing i learned is to ease my jokes so not on the first night not on the first day not on the second day so when people start to learn about me a little bit, maybe my values and where I stand. And then they get the context. Then they can even understand my, in another thing important, not only context, but also intent mm -hmm. is fundamental. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe, maybe I just want to mention a taboo topic, mm -hmm. but I don't mean to ridicule the topic itself or even the victims, no? And, and I think, again, comedy has an important function in that sense that somehow can normalize conversation even about a dark topic. Mm, because, and again, we go back to the to the point of taboo topics. If we stop talking about certain topics, they just don't disappear. They will keep growing in a dark place. Uh, if we censor, if you know, we ban everybody from Twitter, they're gonna find another platform, and then another platform, and then a creepier, yet creepier platform. And these ideas don't disappear. They just keep growing, and then somebody gets a gun and shoots 15 children in a school. And people are like, how did that happen? Well, it happened because we were not looking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, dark subjects like the dark. <laughs> so if you don't shine a light on those subjects, they, they will become darker. Yes, yes. And and uh, we, we get a little deeper on that. Of course, comedy is a relief response. No? So if I feel oppressed, then jokes help me. Now, the question is, what if I feel oppressed by the wrong things? For example, I feel oppressed by feminism. We know there is a lot of, of people in society, they feel oppressed by minorities or by feminism, and they need to express that. That's very delicate and that's very problematic. But if we just uh, censor those jokes, how is it going to help? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need to work on the root issues. Sometimes, sometimes people get offended by a joke and then they yell at the comedian. And I say... If you yell at the comedian, it's like peeing against the wind. I mean, you're, you're missing the target and you will make a mess of yourself. <laughs> it is really like if you have a wound and then salt gets on the wound and then you get really upset about the salt. But what about the wound? What about treating the root issue there? And I think as educators and therapists and psychologists, 
That is the main concern. A joke can be a red flag. Uh oh, people are laughing about that thing. Wait a second. But then we need to work and uh, have policies and have action to solve the issue, not to stop the jokes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think it goes, um, I mean, again, I think it, it builds this, this, um, these dilemmas because I'm, I'm pretty much in line when you talk about gentle comedy, uh, the importance of giving context and, and showing the right intent when you're communicating and what you want to say. But then I get into these dilemmas, which is in one way I should be using, um, well, political correctness in the sense of referring to people in a respectful way. In that sense, I should be using an inclusive language so I should mind my words because I'm telling people that words matter. Um, and then I go on a joke that is edgy, um, maybe on that topic. And then I think <laughs> how to measure that, right? So where, where, where uh, until where is my freedom and where does my responsibility start? Isn't it a hard place sometimes for you as well to, to kind of measure that? It's always a hard place. Yeah. Also because there are in, infinite subjective sensibilities absolutely yeah uh, but you know one easy way to get more funny is to watch more comedy and when you watch even the professional comedians they perform for muslim audience and they do islam jokes and people laugh because everybody needs a relief from the madness that's everywhere so i've had there is one american comedian anthony jeselnik and he has these very uh, edgy uh, jokes they're not even anti-anything. They're really not anti. But he performs for a Muslim audience and everybody laughs because mm -hmm. it's just uh, acknowledging uh, a paradox that is in society. So I am very much with you and I have been in trouble for a joke or two. Um, but there are endless uh, individual sensibilities and it's also a little bit about educating people that my own perception perception of the world is not the only one, first mm -hmm. of all. Right. And if a joke is edgy, it doesn't mean it has to be offensive. When a joke is offensive, it's because it's crude. So maybe it's not so well written. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. just changing a couple of words or changing my intonation or facial expression makes really the difference between a, a crude, bad joke uh, and, and an edgy one. There is nothing wrong in edgy unless somebody gets hurt <laughs> no? exactly uh, and and again this is maybe from a professional comedian point of view uh, a teacher or a trainer should not do that necessarily you know in during a lecture or a presentation uh, so i wouldn't advise you know open open uh, your ted talk with a joke about islam i don't think that's the way to <laughs> win an audience necessarily um but gentle jokes to bring people together rather than antagonizing something or somebody are certainly the way to go. Absolutely. No, but like I said, I think I think um, comic relief is a real thing. It's and we all need to laugh and we don't laugh out of anything. We laugh out of mistakes, out of uh, ridiculousness, out of um, stereotypes and prejudices and fear so, yeah. and fear. Exactly. And fear. So it's really hard to believe in laughter and to embrace uh, laughter and not embrace all these things as well. So um, I have I have always concerns of how it is used, but on the other hand, like I was saying, for me it's this dilemma because I really believe that it's very hard to build community without humor. There is another thing I want to mention. As a comedian, one thing you learn very soon 
is to really engage the audience and to read the room, as they say. Mm. So even if I'm That's performing, if I'm performing with six people or or sixty, doesn't really change. I need to watch you all the time and see the micro changes and how people mm. are reacting. And this is a skill that every speaker really needs. Uh, trainers, teachers, you can tell where your audience is going, even on Zoom, very quickly. Mm -hmm. So this is a very uh, good good skill to have. Uh, and again, about uh, exploring jokes, f feel free to do that and know that there are risks. But in our job, we also learn that failures are part of learning. True. Um, one one time I remember I was giving a I was doing a stand-up show for a group that I normally work as a trainer. And so that's confusing. And if, um, my jokes sometimes are edgy. And in particular, I had I had one or two about uh, dying. And one girl was extremely shocked because she just recently lost a friend. And so she came to me after and she said, jokes are all good and well, but we should never joke about death. And I know that the answer is actually, well, actually, humor has been developed as a reaction to fears. And actually, dying is my, <laughs> our number one fear. So actually, you are wrong. But I cannot, I cannot lecture a person who is experiencing grief. Mm -hmm. So the thing is just know that when you're speaking to a big audience, there's going to be somebody. And you don't know the history of everybody. And mistakes happen. And <laughs> you, unfortunately, you have to learn from mistakes. Uh, I could even make a joke about my cat and somebody in the audience experienced trauma related to a cat. And how do I know? I was listening and I was thinking that uh, life is not that different from humor because when you, we all make mistakes, even when we are not trying to be funny. And there's always the reading the person in front of you. And also, maybe I was wrong. I'm sorry. All those things can be applied also when you're trying to engage in something. So humor, it's about being alive also and interacting with others. Yeah, it's no different. Yes, yes, absolutely. In being in the moment. Yeah. So the difference between a comedian who's starting and a comedian who is a little bit more experienced is really pick on the reaction and then make another joke on that. Mm -hmm. So even if I make a joke and it completely fails, that's my next joke. Oh, guys. Okay, sorry. This was a lot funnier in my head. <laughs> that's that's bringing a, a laughter usually. Or it was funnier when I told my mom. That's bringing a laughter. Oh, you should have seen me two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should hear exactly. my jokes two years exactly. ago. Exactly. Yeah. You see. So this is also, I think, a skill. It's it's uh, comedy related. It's not comedy as such, but it's a skill that is related to comedy that every speaker may find useful. Uh, Embrace your own mistakes and especially embrace the group that you are with. Mm -hmm. And as, as that connection grows, people are going to forgive you, even if you say something wrong, because they know your intent is really genuinely to be there, to entertain them and to create a community and to have an experience with everybody. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense because I was listening to a, a person asked a comedian if, if he had uh, four weeks to train him to be to do stand up. What would he do? And he said, I would put you on the stage the first night and you go to stage for the four weeks. Then I'll teach you how to write. Because the yeah, difficult yeah, yeah. part is not writing jokes. It's standing in front of the others and reading the room and doing your thing in front of the room. And in that sense, even if we do a comedy uh, workshop and it, it's a total failure, nobody laughs, your public speaking skills will improve a lot. So anyway, you're going to get better after that. This is why after one year of Zoom, events, basically, 
a lot of people have a very good writing skill right now, but not necessarily a good delivery skill because in the room with people 20 centimeters from you sweating, <laughs> it is different. Yes, I, I was I was here thinking that it's 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 a lot about boundaries. That that what what's came to me. It's about like you said in the beginning, walking this fine line this, of of the boundary in order to produce laughter, in order to um, let let people also because I think laughter also brings freedom to others. It also ah. gives permission for others to think differently and more creatively sometimes. So it's walking on this line, but also knowing where are the boundaries for many different things. So where are the boundaries for Staying in a safe space, which you know, which it's what we work on. If if we are doing a learning experience, we want to create a safe space where people can actually feel that they can be themselves and authentic, mm. and they're heard, and and their people care for them and for their feelings. So there's that boundary, but there's also the boundary of myself. Of if I'm doing too many jokes and I'm in the center of the attention, is this really what I want? No, or I exactly. want young people exactly. to be in the center. So. Uh, who should be doing the jokes here? So there's oh. a lot. It's a lot about boundaries as well, right? And it's a fine balance, exactly like what mm. you said 100 times. What you said, don't make it about you because then it's a performance. But as a trainer or a teacher, you're not performing. You're there to create a space, yeah. and the other people should feel invited to take that space. So one joke can do that, uh, but it shouldn't be. You shouldn't start strong. You shouldn't go strong on that. Exactly. Um, and there is one general rule in comedy, which even then not everybody uh, abides. I mean, comedy is about breaking rules, right? Mm -hmm. So, but what one rule is, you should punch up, not down. And by punching up, people mean uh, directing your jokes towards oppression. So whether it be the bank system or the hedge funds in Wall Street or a political party in the government, and that's usually okay, but punching down means to target uh, victims. Mm -hmm. And people are gonna laugh again because it's a physical re reaction or sometimes there is just a relief. People feel also you're not targeting them and they will laugh, uh, but, but that's a dangerous and I would say wrong use of comedy. Of course, that, that's, that will be end up being bullying. It is, it is really akin to bullying. And it's abuse. And as I said, I think every decent human being should agree that bullying, bullying and violence is just the line not to cross. So sometimes, and it's usually the uh, white men, uh, they come to me, oh, so as a comedian, do you have jokes about this and that? And I'm like, this is not the right question. You shouldn't ask me what is the topic, but you should ask me how. Yeah. And, and what is your intention? Like, what do you, why do you need to tell a joke about this topic? What is it that you need to uh, express or address or liberate? And then we can have a conversation because again, watch how the comedians do, the successful ones, and, and they usually are very, very clever and it's in the way to deliver the message. Absolutely. I, I follow a few comedians and I, I, I admire so much the ones that can make edgy jokes that are not offensive. It's really amazing. And and there's there's many good examples of that. Uh, uh, and also the ones that do gentle comedy. I don't know, Seinfeld was very gentle on his, his comedy. Um, nowadays you have others that are very edgy, but at the same time, they are very uh, pro-inclusion. And they're, they're, uh, Gervais is one of them, I, in my opinion, at least, that he's very edgy. He's but at the same time, he's not putting down on minorities. He's, he's very 
um, inclusive person, uh, from what I know, from what I follow of his work. It is, and, and I think it's an art. If you follow him on social media, you definitely know where he stands politically. Yeah. But then it happened after he opened the Golden Globe last year. <laughs> his jokes were framed by the conservative media. Oh, you see, Ricky Gervais is attacking Hollywood. He's not attacking Hollywood, guys. Have you been paying attention? So this is also something that happens today because comedy has such a, a big communication power. One joke, it's taken out of context and then framed in a different way and then used against the intentions of the author. And we just have to deal with it because now we're living in uh, the age of memes. And so every, everything becomes a soundbite of five mm. seconds or a meme, and it's, it can be used against the intentions. So Gervais mm -hmm. is a good example. But also, like I said before, jokingly, youth workers get old, also comedians get old. So maybe what was fun 20 years ago uh, it doesn't respond so much to the sensibility of the audience now. And there are new comedians who need to step up and uh, fill the uh, space. Yeah, also, not, not, not everybody talks to all the audience. This is also something to learn. Mm. Uh, I, I am strong with certain demographics and really not strong with other demographics. And that's what it is, like every other art, I guess. Yeah, and you yeah. were talking about bullying and I was thinking of a bit that Chris Rock has that we need more bullies. And the way he frames it, it's very funny. And he's not favoring bullying, but the bit is we need more bullies. And yes. in that context, it's funny, it's not offensive. In, and that's why in general, I can say there is no taboo topic really as such, but it's all in the way it's written and delivered. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not here to teach because again, it would, it's very different when it's live uh, and mistakes happen also when it's live. Um, but yeah, 100% what you say. Okay, I wanted yeah. to uh, ask you a very uh, few last questions and very concrete ones. First one is, let's say I'm a youth worker, I am. Let's say I'm not funny, which I'm not. What can I do? Um, to improve my capacity to use humor in my work. I mean, I don't want to be a stand-up comedian, but I want to use humor in my work. How can I do that? So as I said a little bit before, you know, if I'm out of shape and I need to get back on shape, how can I do it? Start running. <laughs> so one way to learn comedy is get educated in comedy, watch the shows, even those you don't like. If there is 2,000 people laughing, there must be something. Humor is incredibly subjective. Maybe I like Chris Rock. Maybe you like Ricky Gervais. But try to learn what they are doing that works for them. So in general, you know, brief comedy. And it's going to make you funnier because it's also about the timing, the use of voice, the intonation, understanding how an audience works. Mm -hmm. And other than that, there are books and there are workshops. So <laughs> is this also the place to shamelessly promote my work? I am also running online workshops. Uh, Mainly about two things: how to use so the theory and practice of storytelling in work, in youth work and education in general. Okay. And we look at story structures, and we look at delivery, and we look at the political messaging, which is very important to everything we've been talking about now. And that's one line. I have uh, one series of workshops uh, starting in the mid of February, so the applications are really closing in five days. And I think people will get the link somewhere here in the description. Yeah, yeah, we will add them to the to the posts. And then in April, with an American uh, friend of mine, we're also starting comedy workshops. 
-hmm. It's a series of four. It's for everybody who is involved in communication and speaking. I'm a trainer. He's a teacher. So we also come from that angle slash comedy. So it's not only for people who want to start stand-up comedy, but in general, explore their funny side and, you know, make mistakes and learn from other people what not to do. Uh, because imagine having 12 hours of practical training. That really is a safe place to explore all the different sides. Uh, there are some things you can only learn through experience. You tell a bad joke, you have a bad reaction from the group, you have learned a lesson. Mm -hmm. You will never know until you try sometimes. Is there also anything that uh, uh, that people can you know read? Is there any book that you really recommend about humor in general? Two I can recommend. One is the Humor Code. Okay. Yeah, which I have uh, down there. It's by uh, Joel Warner and P Peter McGraw. That's the cool thing of doing online things. You can all just <laughs> it. And it's a study of uh, uh, comedy and humor across different cultures. He really goes from Japan to Europe to America. Uh, and it's by university teacher in the University of Colorado. So he produces a theory. So that's very interesting because it's topical. Uh, it's very actual, but also has a little bit of theory foundation. So mm -hmm. the humor code. Okay. And then this one is a guide for comedians. It's more for actual comedians or anybody who wants to write jokes. It's the Comedy Bible. This is the new edition by Judy Carter. Mm -hmm. And this, this contains, I think, uh, 50 writing exercises. And oh, okay, it, cool. it really is a guide to you know start exploring your life. Your topic contains a lot of these moral uh, compass questions what shouldn't be a topic, and so on. So these are two books I would recommend. Cool. Wow, that's really good. We will put the references as well in the text that goes with the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have a present for you. Oh, nice. Is... I love presents. <laughs> and this is, it's a question from our last um, guest. Uh, and uh, he, I was he didn't hoping know for something else, Anita, because I'm so old now. I don't even receive socks anymore as presents. <laughs> you know, there is a there is a moment when you don't even receive socks anymore, and I just crossed that. <laughs> you crossed that line. Yeah. I think the, sec okay, well, the security guy in the airport has a present for you. <laughs> <laughs> All these mini shampoo bottles. They yes. <laughs> I don't know what. Or the knives, the pocket knives. <laughs> You know, you know, when you were telling your your five reasons why international youth work sucks, I was thinking of one thing that I think I'm the only person that feels this. But when I travel with people that are not regular travelers um, and, you know, and they don't get their stuff ready to go through security check ins and they insist on having liquids on their baggage because they're like, yeah, nobody's going to yes. say anything. And I'm like. Take it out. Just put it out. Why are you doing this? Don't you? Yeah. It's it's incredibly infuriating. Like I'm, I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting better and better at judging people by their looks. Uh, if their hand luggage will be in order or not, <laughs> I, can, I can tell according to their age, demographics, uh, uh, <laughs> profession. Okay, this person seems reliable. I'm gonna be after them because they're gonna take <laughs> only two minutes. Yeah, I think yeah. I, my next job, if I ever stop doing youth work uh, and training, I, I think I'm going to go for security in an airport. All my friends are there. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> I know exactly the procedures. And you I, have I Wi-Fi. So. <laughs> oh, you, <laughs> could design, you could design travel kits. 
because by now you exactly know what's the right size for toothpaste, shampoo, air conditioner for those of you who are lucky. Oh, I can deliver trainings. If I can announce that, if anybody's interested, I can deliver <laughs> trainings on how to pack light. Okay, the question. Okay, the question. The, real question, the, the question, question. Ready? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what are the pleasures of living well with less? Wow. So what are the pleasures of living well with less? This was a guest that was talking a lot about sustainability. And so yeah, this we is a very nice about perspective. shampoo now, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there is this thing. The feeling you experience when, you, when your luggage is taken from you and you're like, okay, so now what, what do I have here? I have a book. I read a book. So I think my answer would be, to really remember what are the things that I do appreciate. And it's usually not my smartphone <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, digital connections, but it's just reading a book or having a chat with a friend or making a phone call to a relative or, or, a, or, a, or a distant friend. <laughs> and in, in a sense, the pandemic brought people together in a different way. So let's rephrase. What are the pleasures of living well with less? really, really enjoying what I have. And if I realize I miss something, then do something about it. Mm, nice. Like make nice. that make that phone call right now. Very nice, I think. Very important. See, I can be deep, not only funny, but also deep. <laughs> Write that in my CV. <laughs> there, there you go. You have the proof. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> believe, I believe, believe that be to be really funny, you have to be deep also. That's true. That is That's true. true. There is a lot of introspection. And uh, as I said, comedy comes from drama. Yes. It's reframing. It's, 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 out, it's a coping mechanism, most of all. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Carmine, okay. um, you have now the chance for revenge and leave a question for our next guest. Ah, finally. Power. <laughs> So, wait, wait a second. Do I know the name of the next person? No. no. <laughs> okay. So, here is the question. What is one thing you will miss from the pandemic times? Okay, Ooh. very good question. Very good question. One thing you will miss from the pandemic times. Yeah. You're an optimist. You think this is going to be over one day. <laughs> yeah, 21, 21. <laughs> Everything ends. Everything it's ends. True. Yeah, didn't you talk about impermanence yes. of things in the last, <laughs> the last episode? Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, well, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. Really, uh, Anita, I had so much fun. Thank you very much for inviting me. I want to apologize to anybody who's been offended by my jokes. It, <laughs> it, it wasn't personal, but it was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Rui. Thank you, Anita and Carmine. Stay safe and sane and uh, enjoy uh, life and laughter. And we will be talking soon again, I hope. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great night. Have a fantastic, well, whatever the time of the day is where you are. <laughs> Have a fantastic one. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. This podcast is produced by Tim Maes with the support of UMAC, University of Applied Sciences.